the wonder of Christmas just never quits. It keeps recurring. It's a tremendous fascination. There's so many compelling contrasts in the Christmas story. You think about it. Royalty in a stable. Deity wrapped up in humanity. The one who was the ancient of days yet was an infant in arms. He who created all things, but they couldn't find room for him in the inn, in the whole city of Bethlehem. Surely this was no ordinary baby. This was no common birth. This was the God-man, the one destined to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And surely on that first Christmas, and even continuing as we celebrate now 2,000 years later, God the Father was speaking to all mankind. He's still speaking through His Word, through prophets, through angels, through the aged saints recorded in God's Word like Simeon and Anna, through the Magi from the East. Are we listening? You know, I can't help but reflect back on the year 2022 because it's almost history, right? For the last 70 Christmases, millions around the world have looked forward to hearing Queen Elizabeth's Christmas message. Maybe you've listened to it on Christmas Day. It was always warm, personal, sometimes very candid, and very cheering to her subjects around the British Empire and around the world. Queen Elizabeth II was a reassuring and stabilizing force in the free world. But this Christmas, for the first time in 70 years, Queen Elizabeth II will not be giving a Christmas message. I understand Charles plans to. 49% of Brits say they're not going to listen. Not the same as Queen Elizabeth. Many will sorely miss her, especially this time of year. She just passed away in September, September the 8th at the age of 96. But here's the point I'm going to make. If Queen Elizabeth II could be resurrected today and miraculously appear at Buckingham Palace or Windsor Palace, wherever it was, where she gave her Queen's message and give it again. I'm telling you, there would be more people tuned in than those who are watching the World Cup today. But wait. The king born 2,000 years ago, who died at age 33, did come back to life. And the Bible says he is alive forevermore. And here is his Christmas message in his word we could go to many places i'll just turn to one the last book of the bible revelation chapter one after john the, the revelator the one the human instrument god inspired to write this entire book after he's fallen at the feet of the glorified christ as one dead we read these words in verse 18 of chapter one i am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. So let it be. And I have the keys of hell and of death. That verse just so succinctly brings it all together. God's Christmas message. Please allow me to unpack it for just a few moments and tell you what it says about the glorified Christ. Number one, it tells us that he was born to bring salvation. Please don't miss that. God doesn't want us to. The devil wants you to miss it. It's abundantly clear why God sent His Son on that first Christmas day. 
And we hear it over and over again throughout the Christmas story. The angel that that first spoke to the shepherds outside Bethlehem said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And again, I say, you don't have to have a seminary degree to figure out that if that's the case, somebody somewhere needs saving. And that's all of us. Every single one of us needs spiritual salvation. Eight days later, an old man by the name of Simeon, who'd been shown that he wasn't going to die until this moment happened, he held that little baby in his arms, and in a triumphant moment of his life, he said, Now, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Not just the Savior, but mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Eternal life is in Christ. He is salvation. And even before that, when the angel Gabriel had announced to Mary that she would be the mother of Messiah, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a wonderful Spirit-filled utterance known as the Magnificat. She said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my what? My Savior? Mary needed a Savior? Wait a minute. If Mary needed a Savior, every single one of us do. We all do. You know, God telegraphed at the birth of His Son that Jesus would be a Savior for all. Jesus was God's olive branch extended to men. We see that in the fact that both shepherds and magi came, the poor and the rich. Jews and Gentiles came. The townspeople of Bethlehem came. Herod came, rich, poor, Jews, Gentiles, rulers, peasants, Jesus is a Savior for everybody, and God telegraphed that right from the start. I'm so glad I can tell you this morning that Jesus was God with skin on. I told you about that little girl that didn't want to sleep by herself, and her parents were trying to train her to do that, and so as soon as they turned the light off, she'd freak out. And her mama would come back in the room and say, but honey, you don't have to worry. Jesus is with you. He's right here in this room. And the little girl said, that's okay, mommy, but I want somebody with skin on. Jesus is God with skin on. And He had to become man in order to be our Savior. But He was God before He came. He was God for all eternity past. From everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Jesus was God. He inhabited eternity. The very verse that tells us that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem said that He was the one from all eternity past. His goings forth have been from of everlasting. You see, the same nature that sinned had to be the nature in which sin was recovered. That's why Jesus had to become flesh. Yes, in very deed, as the popular song tells us, when Mary kissed her baby, she did kiss the face of God. And when Jesus came from heaven to earth, He didn't change natures. He didn't cease to be God. Not for one nanosecond. He added a nature. 
He added which he'd never had before. He became a man. And if he had ever ceased to be God, if you take away that truth, bye-bye Christianity. Jesus had to become like us in order to recover and redeem us. And that's the reason we go, by sinners, we just go straight to sin because we're sinful in our nature. You can try to clean up yourself. Maybe you're saying this morning, you know, I feel pretty good here in church on the the Sunday before Christmas. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be different. My wife's going to be surprised at me. That might last about one week. Because we are just like a pig. You can clean up a pig. You can put Chanel number five on him. You can put a bow in his tail. But when you turn him loose, he's going to head for the nearest mud puddle. And when you turn us loose, after all of our efforts at self-reformation, we will run pell-mell to the cesspool of sin. Like Adam, we have all fallen. And that's why Jesus didn't take on himself the, the nature of Abraham. Abraham was the father of the Jewish race. Jesus, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he took upon him the nature of Adam, the father of sinners. The first part of King Jesus' Christmas message is this, I was born to bring salvation. I was born to bring salvation, but it doesn't stop there. That verse we just read, Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead. Wait a minute, how can God die? If Jesus is God, how can God die? Listen carefully, God in his essential nature cannot die. The Bible says that God is from everlasting to everlasting. Moses said that in that majestic 90th Psalm that he wrote. God has no beginning and no ending. From vanishing point to vanishing point, as far as you can see in both directions, He is God. So in order for Jesus to die, He had to become man. And He was born to die. That's why He came into this world 2,000 years ago. The shadow of the cross was cast over the manger. The angels told the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. But let me tell you, no angel, not even God, spoke from heaven and said to the shepherds, Magi, or those to whom they spoke, thy sins be forgiven thee. There's no salvation in Jesus' birth. It has to be in His death. So millions around the world today are mistaken when they kiss the baby in a nativity scene or they recite Mary's Magnificat, from which I've already given an excerpt, or Simeon's Nunc Dimittus, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace. They can do all of those things, but there's no salvation in that. Christ's birth is not an end in itself. In fact, even if Herod had been successful in in his real objective for killing all the babies two years and under in and around Bethlehem, if he'd been able to kill Jesus uh, at, at that time, that would not provide salvation for us. It would have done us no good. Jesus, God's appointed lamb, had to die according to the Scriptures just at God's appointed time, in God's appointed manner, when His hour was fully come, just as the Passover lamb was being slain in thousands of households of the Jews. That's why Jesus cried from the cross, it is accomplished. What was accomplished? Well, the full payment for sin. What was the payment for sin? 
The soul that sinneth, it shall die. What did we owe God? We owe God perfect obedience. Have any of us rendered that? No. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus had to come and render that perfect obedience. He never sinned one time. He could point his finger at his accusers in his day and say, which of you convinceth me of sin? They couldn't do it. They had to fabricate something to get him executed. And so when he died, here's the good news. His death can substitute for yours and mine. And on your debt sheet, on what you owe, it can be stamped, paid in full. Jesus paid it in full. There's nothing more for you to do. It's all been done. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and I'm not saying this just to make you feel good, but if you had been the only sinner who ever lived, Jesus would still have left the splendor of heaven and come down to this earth and been born in a humble manger and lived 33 and a half homesick years and died a horrible death just for you. The devil doesn't want you to take it that way. He wants you to look at just a fact of cold history. No, you've got to take it personally. He died for me. He's not in a manger anymore. He's in heaven. And that brings me to the third thing I wish to say, the message of Christ, God's message, Christmas message. He lives to impart salvation. That verse goes on to say, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I'm glad that I can proclaim to you this morning not only that Jesus was born and that Jesus died, but Jesus rose again on the third day out from the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. It was a virgin tomb, just as he'd been born from a virgin womb. And what happened on the third day is just as needful as his crucifixion. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Please listen carefully. This is deep, but it's not too hard to understand. We must understand that Jesus died for us in order to be forgiven. We must trust in his death. But we must understand that he rose from the dead, and we must trust in his resurrection to be justified. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Don't throw those big theological words at me. I can explain that one real quick, too. To be justified means to be declared righteous. Before you throw brickbats at me, did you know it's not enough to be forgiven? God demands that you be perfectly righteous. Oh, I've lost some of you right now. That's impossible. God wouldn't demand that. Nobody's perfect. I can just hear you saying it. I've got you. You're thinking. But there was only one who was perfect. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wrought out a perfect righteousness. And by his resurrection, God said, I approve of what you did. I validate your work on the cross, and I will extend to everyone who trusts in you, my son, my substitute, my provision, I will extend to everyone a perfect righteousness, the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's justification. Finally, Jesus is our judge. Let me just say that before I get before I get to that. 
it's just as needful for Jesus to live for us as it is for him to die for us. The reason I know I'm saved as I stand before you this morning is not because I feel holy. Not because I kissed my wife this morning and made sure everything was okay. The reason I know I'm saved this morning as I stand before you is that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father pleading for me. The Bible represents Satan as the accuser of the brethren, and he is. Let me tell you what, he is always on the job. That's one thing you can say for the devil. He is constantly accusing us to God. He is accusing us to our own conscience. And I like to just picture what happens. I think this is pretty close to the truth. When Satan comes before God, he says, look at that Bob Vradenberg. There he goes again. He's sinning against you, though he calls himself a Christian. How can you justify him? You know what Jesus does? He just shows his hands and his feet. They still bear the wounds of our sin. He will be the only one in heaven for all eternity that bears the marks of sin. When you look at me in heaven, you'll never know I was a sinner. But when you look at Jesus, you'll know that he did something for my sin. And he shows his hands and his feet to the Father, and he says, Father, I died for that sin. And with that, Satan is ejected from court. Case dismissed. Hallelujah. That's real, folks. Please look at the last phrase from Christ's Christmas message. He said, I'm alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. But we don't like to talk about that. But I would be a faithful pastor if I didn't tell you there is a heaven to win and there is a hell to shun. When God opens, no man can shut. And what he shuts, no man can open. Didn't he prove that to us in the time of the flood? The great flood of Noah's time, all those animals, two of every kind and seven of every clean animal, got on the ark, all of them, without any exception, except maybe the ones that could survive out in the water. Noah, all eight of his family that believed his message that the rain was coming, the flood was coming, they got in the ark, they were safely on board, and then you know what happened? The Bible says, God, shut him in. Noah didn't lower that door or raise it. God shut him in. That was final. That was fateful. That was irreversible. And don't you know there were people all around who had scoffed at Noah while he was building that ark for 120 years, and now as the rain came and the floodwaters began to rise, and they could get out there on their little boats or skiffs or planks. They were pounding on that ark. They were screaming to the top of their voice, let us in! Too late. Nobody got in after God shut the door. Erica read the dramatic Christmas truce of 1914 and World War I. And as I read that, thinking about what I was going to say today, I was reminded of something that happened in my hometown in Tennessee, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. A famous Civil War battle was fought there. The Union called it the Battle of Murfreesboro. The Confederates called it the Battle of Stones River. 
It happened in the waning days of the year 1862. Confederate troops under General Braxton Bragg were just 300 yards away from the Union troops under General Rosecrans, just across the Stones River. 83,000 troops in all. Every soldier knew that when the sun went down on that day, that fateful day, December 30, the following day they would be engaged in a struggle unto death, but there was a truce of sorts, just like the one that happened in World War I. The bands from both the Union Army and the Confederate Army played. They took turns playing patriotic songs, and then it was still the Christmas season. They, they did Christmas carols, and then the song Erica mentioned, Home Sweet Home, that evoked tears from both sides. Both the men in blue and the men in gray sang to each other for hours. And they knew that less than 24 hours later, they would be fighting each other. And that's what happened. And almost 8,000 of them, singing on the 30th, were in eternity on the 31st. Today you have heard some of the most beautiful music this side of heaven. I mean that sincerely. But I'm not trying to be melodramatic when I tell you Though you feel in a heavenly mood, perhaps you could die in the next 24 hours and wake up in hell. Please don't play Russian roulette with your never-dying soul. Please don't do that. Would you repent of your sin and trust in the Christ who came that first Christmas and died for you and rose again? No Christmas message from Queen Elizabeth this year. But will you receive the Christmas message from the one who was born a king? While there is hope, while there's breath, there's hope. While you have breath, you can say an eternal yes to Jesus Christ. He's the only Savior this world will ever see. But one day, God is going to shut the door to the ark of safety. Jesus alone has the keys of hell and of death. He knows them that are His. You may think you're saved this morning. You may have all your family convinced that you are. You may have your pastor convinced that you are. But the Lord knoweth them that are His. And it's all going to come out someday. Will you seek the Lord while He may be found? He can be found this morning. His Spirit is here, striving with your heart. His truth has been presented. You're going to have to be held accountable for that. Will you receive Him? You say, oh, I take the sacrament every Sunday. And that's not the way you receive it. Oh, I've been baptized. No, you didn't receive Christ when you were baptized. If you weren't born again when you went into that water, you went in a dry center, you just came out a wet center. You receive Christ by calling on the name of the Lord for salvation, trusting Jesus and Him alone. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved eternally, saved spiritually, saved from your sins, saved from the wrath of God which is going to fall on this earth someday just as surely as the flood came in the time of Noah. Would you bow your head, please?
every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, will not be long. I wonder if there's anyone would say, Pastor Bradenburg, I've heard the music today all about Jesus the Savior. I've heard the message, and God has shown me that I do need to be saved from my sins. I do not know for a fact. I do not know for a fact that if I were to die, I would go to heaven. Oh, I'm moral. I'm a church member. I'm generous. But I do not know that my sins have been forgiven. I do not know that I've been declared righteous in the sight of God. But I see my need with no one looking around. If that's the burden of your heart, then you'd say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Would you just slip up your hand for a moment? I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I do not know that I have eternal life. I'm looking around. Anyone? Just lift it. I'll see it. No one else is looking. Perhaps you didn't raise your hand, but there's a burden in your heart. There's a little card in the seat back of the pew in front of you. It has the logo of this concert on it today, The Many Moods of Christmas. Would you just take that in the next few moments, even right now, and just look it over? There's some boxes to check, a place for you to put your name and contact information. I promise you only the pastoral staff will see this. But if you would like for us to talk with you, to reach out to you, if you have a question, if you have a spiritual burden, we will not embarrass you. But I hope you'll register your concern Register your contact information. Just write it down. Leave it on on the pew. You can just turn it upside down on the pew, and we'll take it up very soon. There are people out in the Welcome Center when we dismiss that have a little counselor tag on. If you have a burden, if if there's a need in your heart, we encourage you not to leave without knowing that you're born again, that you have the Lord Jesus Christ. And just speak to one of them. They'll be glad to take you aside. They may be talking to someone else, just welcoming them, but please don't hesitate to just wait for a moment and then they'll be able to speak with you let's pray father we pray that the message of this musical as well as the message from the word of god will register in hearts thank you for jesus thank you for his coming all the way to earth to be our savior and all the things that he suffered and we know that it was our sin that put him on the cross it wasn't just the sin of the the Jews of that day. It wasn't just the sin of the Romans who drove the nails through his hands and feet. Yes, all of us, all of us had a part in putting Jesus on the cross because we are all sinners. But may we see that he died for all of us. He offers his salvation to us. Those nail-scarred hands that are extended to us in invitation right now, one day, They'll be raised, and they will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart into everlasting fire. Oh, God, may that not happen to people that have heard the truth today. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attention this morning. I know you'd love to.